So yeah, we are already amazing. We are in the fourth and final week of Advent as we come to the finish line of the, uh, the birth of the Savior that we celebrate on Christmas Day. And uh, today we focus on the subject of peace, um, a need for peace. Um, such an irrelevant subject, I know, um, in a day in which we live, because everybody's walking in peace these days. Nobody's nervous or anxious or worried about anything. And so let's just kind of focus our attention on something that really doesn't apply to anybody. Uh, but in the event that you run into somebody who kind of needs to be reminded of the fact that he is the Prince of Peace, maybe we put some tools in your belt to help them along the way. And so we've already lit our, uh, our pink fourth candle uh, uh, indicating uh, the fourth week of Advent um, as we subject, focus on the subject of, of peace. It's one of those things, peace is a subject that uh, everybody really wants out of life, right? It's kind of like, you know, Christian, non-Christian, like everybody's just kind of like, I just, can I just, can I just have some peace? Everyone's seeking and wanting and desirous of this thing called peace. Uh, it's what we fight for. It's what we strive for. Ironically, it's what we oftentimes go to war over, a desire for more peace. Ask 100 people what peace is, you'll possibly get 110 answers. Uh, what does it mean to have peace in our lives? And more specifically, what does it mean to have the peace of God into our lives? Because as Christ followers, that's ought to, that ought to be the goal that we strive for, to maintain the peace of God in our lives. You know, God's peace wasn't accomplished through the signing of a treaty. It wasn't the result of a compromise. It wasn't the result of the taking of a city. Instead, it was accomplished through the sending of the Son, the sending of the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. We've been looking at Advent um, through the lens of Isaiah's characterization of the Messiah yet to come. 750 years prior to Christ's arrival, the prophet Isaiah pens the characteristics of this one. And we've been looking at each, uh, or some of these characteristics each week. We, we get it from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Isaiah writes, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. To who? To us. It's to us. God came for us. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name, his identity, how we will view him, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and, and uphold it. With justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I love this. The passion of God the zeal of God, the love of God, the drive of God, the sending of the Son will accomplish this. Isaiah catches a glimpse of this one who will come, the Messiah, the hope of Israel, the one 
that is early on in the book of Genesis where it talks about the one who would come and crush the head of the serpent. The hope of Israel. Isaiah says, we will call him wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Well, Pastor Dominic did a great job last week talking about he is our everlasting father. He is an unchanging, predictable, always present, perfect father. He is the prince of peace, who is not only the epitome of peace, but he is the grantor, the giver of peace as well. Notice Isaiah writes, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Government is referring to the sureness of Christ's authority and, and peace is referring to the, the result of Christ's authority. There's two angles or two facets of this, of this passage. It is referring to the right now. Obviously, Christ has authority in heaven and in earth, but we are not seeing the fullness of Christ's authority yet on the earth. There will be a day, right, where Christ comes back and he will rule and reign on the earth and we will rule and reign with him on this earth and the, his authority will be forevermore speaking about the millennial kingdom. When we consider the topic of peace from a, a biblical perspective, we, we come to see that the peace that God gives us is unlike the kind of peace that any person, that any job, that any bank account, right? Any, any retirement, anything apart from God can ever produce. The peace that God gives is unlike any temporary fix that the world might give. Jesus knows what it is to give peace to those who are in need of it. We see Jesus talking about peace to his disciples during a time where their culture and their future was questionable, where their anxiety was high, when their concern levels were off the charts. I think much like many may feel these days, with a lot of the unpredictability that we experience, Jesus knows how to bring peace to his people. As Jesus was nearing the end of his ministry and, and the uncertainty of what lie ahead began to fill the hearts and the minds of his disciples, Jesus talks to them about a peace that they can have in the midst of uncertain times. Imagine the scene with me. Jesus is here with his disciples. They had, they had left everything to follow Jesus. I mean, they're in the middle of, I mean, here, here you have Peter and Andrew, and they're out there, they're doing their business, they're fishermen, and Jesus says, hey, come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they, they wrap it up right there, they close up shop, and they go, and they follow Jesus. These disciples, they left everything, they put all of their eggs in that basket of the rabbi. And they follow Jesus completely. And they'd seen unbelievable things happen under the ministry of Jesus. They saw the blind eyes opening and the deaf ears unclogging, right? They, they saw the mute beginning to speak and the dead being raised back to life. They, they saw those who were in bondage from demonic oppression set free from the power of his word. Clearly, 
a new era was upon them. Clearly they were under the tutelage of far more than any other rabbi that ever showed up on the scene. Surely these disciples understood that this was a period of time unlike they'd ever experienced before. Clearly, Messiah had come. Remember Jesus talking, talking to the disciples like, hey, who, who do men say that I am? Remember Peter's like, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And Jesus is like, man, flesh and blood has revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And so we, so we, we see they're making the connections as to, as to who Jesus is. And the crowds were gathering as Jesus would show up in the town. Thousands would come and just by, the, by his word, they would be healed. This was an incredible season that they found themselves in. Jesus' popularity was at an all-time high. Everywhere he went, people couldn't get close enough to hear the teaching and receive the miracle and apply the truth that, he, that, that Jesus was, was talking about. I mean, the season was ripe for Jesus to kind of just emerge as a leader in the world. This was a time where he could finally say, listen, now's the time to take over. We don't need to be under the, the rulership of anybody. We've got the people. We've got the power. We've got the plan. Let's take it over and set up our kingdom right here, right now. That's what the disciples thought Jesus was going to do. But that's not what Jesus had been talking about. As Jesus was getting closer and closer to the end of his ministry, Jesus is talking and, what do you mean, Jesus, you're, you're leaving us? What? Why would you leave now? I mean, business is booming. The crowds are gathering popularity. You just speak the word, man. They will give everything for you. What do you mean, we're going to all scatter. What do you mean you're going to suffer? What do you mean Peter's going to deny you three times? Jesus, don't, don't, don't mess with my narrative. But all along, Jesus, as he's getting closer to that moment, he had been talking about these things that were soon to be coming, and clearly this is creating in, this, in the disciples a, a concern, a fear, an anxiety, because, hey, nobody likes change. Well, you know what? I, I personally like change, but here's the thing. Nobody likes change when things are going well, right? Nobody's like, nobody's like, you know, hey, everything's looking great. The numbers are high. Popularity's high. Things are wonderful. Let's initiate change. Nobody wants that. But that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. And it's just not making sense to the disciples. And they're getting really concerned. And Jesus addresses this concern. We read about it in John chapter 14. Jesus, looking at his disciples, he's like, listen, let not your hearts be troubled. Why? Because they were troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I'll take you to myself. He's speaking about the rapture right there. So that where I am, you may be also. Let me comfort your hearts with the fact that this isn't the end of the story. And you remember Thomas. Thomas is kind of like, he's like, you know what, I think I know what he means, but I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna, Jesus, we don't know what you're saying. 
and we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. And Jesus said, Peter, hey, Thomas, listen, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. Let not your hearts be troubled. Jesus is assuring them that he is in control. What's interesting is that if, if anyone had a right to be scared, anybody had a right to be anxious at this moment, if anybody had a right to be nervous about this, you'd think it'd be Jesus, because Jesus fully knew well, knew well what, was it, what was right around the corner. He had read Isaiah 53 as he talks about the suffering servant and the one, all the things that Jesus was going to go through on the cross. If anybody had any right to be concerned, it would be Jesus, but no, Jesus was full of peace. Jesus was okay with where things were at. I mean, if anybody had a right to be anxious, it would be Jesus, but Jesus, I mean, just, just imagine, imagine you were Jesus. And now we have the luxury of hindsight, knowing that what he's about to go through, imagine you were about to go through that. How would you feel? Jesus, knowing what was ahead, willingly embraced it, never lost his peace. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of peace? Well, here's the good news. You can. You can have that kind of peace. In fact, that's the kind of peace that Jesus wants you and I to experience. Jesus paid an incredible price so that we can experience that peace. Here is Jesus speaking to his disciples again. Same conversation, not far down the road. Just a couple of verses. Verse 27 of chapter 14. Jesus says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I love that. Not only do I give you peace... But I don't give you a peace that I'm unfamiliar with. I don't give you a peace that's apart from me. I give you the same peace that's residing within my heart. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Why? Because the world doesn't have the peace of God. The world doesn't, can't produce that kind of peace. Not as the world gives. My peace I give it to you. We're nearing the end of 2021. 22 is knocking on the door. And one thing we've learned in the last couple of years is that we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know how all these crazy things are going to play out. With all the things that have been introduced into our lives in the last couple of years, um, I mean, if somebody would have told you back in 2015, you remember 2015? Like, did we worry about anything in 2015? You better believe we did. <laughs> but didn't it just seem like it was like, you remember like 19, some of you don't remember, 1998, like pre-9-11? Like, did we worry about anything, right? But here, but here we are, we're coming into 2022. We don't know what, what 2022 is gonna hold, but here's the thing. We do know who holds it. And you see, I am not, go I am not going to be a victim 
of all of the fear and the anxiety and the narratives and all the other stuff that is trying to rob me of the peace of God that Jesus has secured for me on the cross of Jesus Christ. I wanna take a moment and look at a couple of things here that we pull from Jesus's words. How does the peace of God impact our life? How should I view peace with God? How is it different than the peace that the world gives? You see, the world doesn't give, I said, I said in the first service, the world doesn't give peace I mean, we have moments, right? We have moments where it's kind of like, I mean, I love vacation. You like vacation? I love going, turning the phone off and just not having to be anywhere, not having to talk, not having to solve a problem, answer a question, be, like I've, my wife will tell you, I, got, I do vacation really well. I, I really do. I, I'm, when I'm all in, I'm all in with 150%. But when I don't have to be in, it's like I'm, I am, I might as well be on Pluto, right? But th- that's not peace. That's pause, right? That's not peace. See, we, we think of peace. We get a picture in our mind of, of sitting on the beach and relaxing and no responsibilities and no concerns. And no, that's not peace. That's pause. Pause is important. I love pause. Pause is really, pause charges my batteries. Pause gives me something to look forward to. Pause is really, really nice. But don't, let's not confuse for one minute. That's not peace because while you're pausing, all the other stuff is still going on, all the things that that the world is worrying about. And so that's pause. So how is the peace of God different than the peace that the world is striving for? Number one, here's the thing we need to realize is, number one, that Jesus is the source of peace. Jesus is the source. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. You see, the kind of peace that Jesus is referring to is not peace that is defined by what's going on outside of you. That kind of, the kind of peace that Jesus is referring to is what's going on inside of you. You see, when peace is taking place inside of you, it doesn't matter what's going on outside of you because what's going outside of you can never take away or impact or influence the peace of God that is within you. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus gives us. He is the source of peace. And in the midst of what what was about to be a storm in the lives of the disciples, Jesus demonstrates that he is the source of peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Isaiah will talk about it in Isaiah chapter 26. He said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You say, well, pastor, I'm not feeling the peace. Well, what's your mind focused on? What's consuming your thoughts? Where are, you, where are you traveling in your mindset? If you're worried about everything that they're talking about on the news and the social media feeds and all the other stuff, well, of course you're not at peace. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed, is stayed on him. When I have my mind stayed and fixed on him, that internal peace that only God gives gives me a peace about how I need to deal with whatever's going on around me. It's not denial. It's not, it's not being naive or simplistic. It's about putting things in perspective. Listen, I'm not gonna worry over things I can't change. I'm not gonna lose sleep over things I don't control. And God isn't giving, as anybody, God made anybody here omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, 
right? No, none of us have that. So if that's not in your resume, listen, man, don't sweat what's going on around you. Why don't we focus on the one who's in control of all those things and the peace of God will reside in our hearts. You see, this, attempt, this, this idea of, 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 of the world's kind of peace, it's an attempt of, 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 of attaining a temporary peace. It's nothing more than an exercise in futility. Thinking that the world, thinking that my money, my job, my relationship, my whatever, fill in the blank, to think that if I, if I have you found yourself saying this, if I only can do this, I'll be at peace. If I only acquire that, I'll have peace. Now, we might not say it because we don't talk like that in church, but in our minds, we are pursuing those things, thinking that the achieving of that goal, that result, that whatever, is gonna create something inside of us that's gonna give us peace. I wanna tell you, that's a mirage that's gonna leave you very thirsty. Great question to consider is, am I seeking peace through inadequate means? Am I looking to relationships and jobs and bank accounts and hobbies? How do I know if I am? Well, here's the thing. When one of those things tank, does it destroy and rock your world? If something brings you, that means that this was too high, right? And we're allowing that to define us too much. I can't, we can't do that. What happens? Listen, if, I, if, I, if, if I'm trusting in my bank account, to bring me peace, what happens when the market crashes? If I'm trusting in my relationships to bring me peace, what happens when the relationship crashes? What hap- if I'm trusting in my health to bring me peace, what happens when the doctor calls up? If th- these are things that I can't control. And so am I going to be a victim of circumstances or am I going to walk in the peace of God? Because if I remember correctly, Jesus had some pretty horrible things happen to him. And he never lost his peace once. Peace I leave to you, my peace I give to you. Jesus is the source of peace. Secondly, Jesus shares his peace, right? Jesus qualifies, again, he says it's not just peace that he gives, but it's the same peace that he has. My peace I give to you. That's pretty intense considering the events that were soon to take place in the life of Jesus. Because what Jesus, Jesus was about to go through, not many days after this conversation he had with his disciples, was anything but peaceful. Consider all that he had to endure. Despite the betrayal, despite the scattering of the disciples, despite the torture, despite everything that he had to endure, Jesus maintained his peace. That tells me that our peace is not grounded in our circumstances but our peace rises above our circumstances. And when we, when we lose that peace, that only demonstrates to us that we were putting too much stock in our circumstances. Jesus, his peace is void of anxiety. Paul writes to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter three and he says this, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will rule your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. He's like, hey, listen, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, 
by prayer and supplication, make your request made known to God. In other words, the things that you're being anxious for, anxious about, it's not that they don't matter, it's just that you're not supposed to be anxious about them, you're supposed to take them to God in prayer. Be anxious for nothing but in everything, those things, by prayer and supplication, make your request made known to God, and look what happens. And the peace of God, which peace? The peace of God that surpasses understanding. I love that. It's a peace that does not make sense. You ever see that? Maybe you experience that? You look and say, man, it seems like everything's falling around upon me, but I'm in the midst of it. I've got a peace that doesn't make sense. That's very biblical. The peace of God which surpasses understanding will rule, it'll guard, it'll govern your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Anxiety is an indication that we are stepping out of walking in faith. And we need, when, when the anxious thoughts, and I understand anxiety, believe me, more than you think I do, when those anxious thoughts come, to, come, come up, it needs to serve as an indication, I need to bring these to God in prayer because God doesn't call me to be anxious about things that I can't control. But instead, he wants us to walk in peace. He's the prince of peace. Josh read that verse before. It says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. I love that. You might find yourself in places that seem really dark, really desperate, really lonely, where you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say, you don't know where to go, but the light overcomes the darkness because the darkness can never overcome the light. He is our peace. That's the Jesus kind of a peace. It's not an emotion, although it does bring some great emotion. It does bring some wonderful reminders that, you know what, he knows my address. And then no matter what goes on around me, as Job said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. It doesn't make sense. But you see, it's not governed by emotions because peace isn't an emotion, peace is a position. It's a place, it's a location that Christ has secured for us. When we talk about being recipients of God's peace, what does that mean? I mean, why would I, why would I need God's peace? Because if I need peace, that would suggest that, that something isn't right, right? I, I, need, I, need, I need to think about then, that I, I, if I need peace, that would suggest that there's some kind of a conflict that's currently present. That's the problem though. You see, we were, we were born into conflict. Not just conflict with the world, but conflict with God. We were born sinners. We were born separated from God. Right out of the birth canal, we were born, as the scripture says, as enemies of God. Born of a sinful race, Adam and Eve, right? And so that sin nature that they had was passed on to you and me. And when we were born, we were born in conflict with the world and in conflict with God. Nothing was right. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, Jesus became the solution to our biggest problem of conflict with God. He became the answer for you and for me. We were the enemies, we were under God's wrath, but Christ came and he absorbed the wrath that was directed towards us upon himself and as we put our trust in him, instead of being under the wrath of God, we can walk out in the peace 
of God being reconciled through the blood of his cross. That, my friends, is the best news you'll ever hear because it changes the direction not only of now, but for all of your eternity as you put your trust in Christ. My peace I give, and then he continues to qualify his statement. He said, not as the world gives, do I give to you. And you see, Jesus' is, Jesus is peace is different than the world. It's different than the world's. It's not about a feeling, but it's about a reality. It's a position or a posture that only God can give. The world's peace is temporary. As I said before, it's not a, it's not a peace is not even the right word. It's a, it's a pause. Because peace is not the absence of trouble. It's the presence of God in the moment of trouble. But the world's peace is temporary. The world's peace is dependent upon feelings. The world's peace is so caught up and bound up and consumed with time that it doesn't take into consideration that there's a plan that is far bigger and far greater and more eternal than we might realize. You see, the world's peace is a pseudo-peace because it's void of the prince of peace. And so forth, therefore, the world's peace is merely a mirage that never comes to full reality. But the peace of Jesus, the prince of peace, is different. The kind of peace that Jesus dishes out is different than the, the, the peace that the world has to offer. Jesus' peace, unlike the world's peace, which is only really a pause, as we said, Jesus' peace is permanent. It's permanent. It doesn't ever change. Do you know the same peace that, you, that you're gonna have in eternity you can experience right now? You don't have to wait to cross on over to the other side. You know you're already walking out your eternal life? Isn't that amazing? Positionally, you'll never get any closer to God than you are right now because you're positionally perfect in the righteousness of Christ. And so the peace of God that you're gonna be having a million years from tonight in heaven, you can be experiencing right here on earth if you'll stay focused and allow, to, to stay fixed on him. Jesus' peace is permanent. He is the prince of peace and this, this prince that dispenses his peace into our hearts is given to us so that we experience it in significant areas of our lives. Number one, we experience it in having peace with God. Peace with God. I think it's ironic that the brutal torture and painful crucifixion of Jesus resulted in peace for us. Isn't that amazing? Because as I said before, when you think about peace, you're not thinking of the brutal torture in which Christ had to endure. You're thinking of somebody sitting on a beach enjoying a sunset. But the reality of it is, the slaughtering of the son resulted in the acceptance of us as sons and daughters of God. The cross of Jesus Christ has provided a way for you and me to experience the peace with God once again. The peace that was lost in the, in the garden by, because of sin from the first Adam is regained through the sacrifice of the second Adam, Jesus Christ. There's nothing like the peace that Christ gives us that assures us that we are in right standing with God. There's nothing like that confidence that we can have, that knowing deep in your know, you say, well, you, you really can never really know if you're gonna go to heaven. Yes, you can. 
John writes and says, these things were written that you might know that you have eternal life. And you see that, that knowing comes from an embracing of the peace of God. It's a peace that is permanent. It is a peace with God. Secondly, the permanent, the, the permanent peace that God gives to us is seen in having peace within, peace with self. So many people struggle with internal guilt and shame over things that they've done in their past. May have an easy time thinking that Christ can forgive them of their sins. That's not the problem. The problem is they can't forgive themselves. They, very, they do really well at letting everybody else know that Christ for, can forgive them, but try to apply that truth to their own life. They think that they're a special case. And so what ends up happening is that guilt, that shame that God does not want you to walk in becomes a tool in the hands of the enemy from keeping you walking in that peace that Christ has sustained for you. Do you know that if you can't forgive yourself, what you're ultimately saying to the work of Christ and the cross is it just wasn't good enough? It was good enough for everybody else, it just wasn't good enough to cover my sin. And they walk around feeling like, well, it's just a matter of time before I end up back where I was. No. The blood of Christ is more powerful than that. It is more able to, to change and transform you and I. Here's the key to eternal peace, internal peace. The key to internal peace has everything to do with our understanding of who secured it for us. If you think that you brought about your salvation, then you are stuck having to maintain your salvation and good luck with that. Salvation is of the Lord. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I am his project to work on. And he has his hands full with me. But you see, when I recognize that my internal peace is connected to Christ and Christ alone, it allows me then to apply that internal peace within. No matter what you've done, what line you've crossed, how guilty you may feel, I want you to know there's forgiveness in the blood of Christ. Christ came so that you might be forgiven, so that you might be reunited with the God who loves you and has a plan and purpose for your life. You're not damaged goods. You're not an accident. God knows you. He ordained your birth and he's provided a way for you to walk in peace. Peace with God peace internally and then peace with others. Now I just lost you, I know. Like, it used to be that to live above with those we love will be grace and glory. To live below with those we know is quite a different story. <laughs> but you know what? The peace of God enables us to have peace with others. That doesn't mean you're gonna be friends with everybody. It doesn't mean everybody's gonna be more friends with you. That doesn't even mean that people are gonna like you. And that might not even mean you like other people. But you don't have to live in conflict with them. You don't have to live with, uh, with, with uh, lacking in, pe with pe in peace in that relationship. Here's the thing, the conflict doesn't need to exist because you have the ability to not allow it to take root in your heart. Paul will tell the church in, Ro in Ro Romans chapter 12, he'll say, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, 
live at peace with all men. In other words, I love the fact that if it's possible, because sometimes, listen, man, sometimes they're just gonna hate you. They're just gonna hate you. They're not gonna like you. They're not gonna whatever, right? Sometimes it's just not possible. It might not be possible for them, but it is possible for you to keep your peace even in the midst of being hated. As far as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. Well, how do I do that? I remember the peace that I freely received that I did not deserve, and now I extend it to other people. Holding things against other people gets in the way of me walking in the peace of God. You cannot walk in the peace of God and have problems and hatred towards other people. I don't care if you agree with them, disagree, you cannot, listen, you cannot hate anybody, period. I don't care what their lifestyle, I don't care what their look, I don't care how you, you don't have, you don't have that. It's not in you to hate as a child of God. It'll hinder your ability to walk in the peace of God that God wants you to have. Holding things against other people will get in the way of you walking in the peace of God. You see, but they hurt me. They hurt him too. Yeah, but they misunderstood me they misunderstood him too. Yeah, but you don't understand. They falsely falsely accused me all the time. Yeah, welcome to the club. Happens all the time. Let it go. That's a great way to start the new year. Are there people in your life that you just need to let it go? You know who they are. It's that person that when that face pops up in your mind, you get that little knot in your stomach. Like, kind of just want to bless them with a brick, right? That's probably the one that needs to, you need to address and get that out. That's going to get in the way of what God wants you to walk in, right? But what a great way to start the year by saying, you know what? I'm not going to hold anything against anybody. That's one of the many wonderful things I learned from my dad that I so thank God for. My dad didn't have a problem with anybody. He didn't hate anybody. He didn't agree with everybody. But man, that guy, that guy, didn't have a grudge against anybody. He was free. He was just free of that. And I was like, what a great example that he set. And, and you know what, there, that's, there's freedom in that. And that's, that, that allows and opens the door for us to walk in the peace of God. He is our source of peace. He shares his peace with us. It's unlike the kind of peace that the world gives. And he wants us to experience that peace in our relationship with God, in our relationship internally, in our relationship with others. He's our peace. He's the prince of peace. Father, thanks for your word. Thank you for the many examples that you give to us in the word of God that remind us of how we ought to live and apply these truths. We recognize we're flawed. We recognize we're wounded. We recognize that we've learned ways that are not right. Holy Spirit, would you open the eyes of our understanding so that we would be free of conflict and free of anxiety and free of all those things that we can't control? And Lord, would we just give would you give us the grace to receive your peace? You will keep him who in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. Lord, may that be our reality, especially as we go into this season that we celebrate the Prince 
of peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.